1: However, and wherever you listen
0: to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily.
1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, we like to touch base with Family Voice Australia and Greg Bondar is Family Voice New South Wales and ACT State Director. Greg's back with us. Hi, Greg. Welcome back to 2020.
0: Good morning. Thank you for having me, Neil.
1: Greg, let's start with uh, your thoughts on what's transpired over these past couple of weeks, the George Floyd protests, uh, our understanding here about uh, race, and I know you've got thoughts about a biblical view on race. Uh, Give us your insights into what's been happening with the George Floyd protests.
0: Yeah, thank you, Neil. Um, Look, we, we would have to really admit that the protest we've we've seen in America and uh, London and and now Sydney, Melbourne, has really brought to to light the the issue of racism. Now, I want to make it perfectly clear that uh, uh, racism in in its various forms has been has really been a plague on humanity for thousands of years. It's nothing new. Uh, I should also make the point that uh, biblically, for me, uh, we are all from. God's people and in that respect we have to be very careful how we address the issue of the George Floyd incident. One of the things I want to make perfectly clear also is that uh, I, I think the whole issue of George Floyd defies secular solution. In other words we have to take a biblical approach because um, uh, race is not one of those topics that you have over a dinner table, it always causes division. It causes argument. So our approach would be more of a um, more of a biblical approach. Uh, we have to respect the dignity of every human being made in the image of God. We also have to make sure that uh, that in, in in talking about the George George Floyd situation, that we're very very careful to ensure that we're, we're not just isolating. The blacks, I mean, you know, there are talks of uh, black deaths in custody, a um, s- certain amount of being bandied around, but I should also point out, Neil, that uh, in deaths in custody, I mean, there were two and a half thousand uh, non-black people that have died in custody, so it's not just a black issue, it's, it's generally a, a a social issue, so we need to be aware of that, and, and in that regard, I think w- w- we need to make the point that the George Floyd issue has really been overtaken by political division, and, and in that regard, I think we have to be very careful how we handle it as Christians and how we handle our approach to racism as Christians as well.
1: Interesting, isn't it, that there are those who are on more an an anarchy side uh, when it comes to these protests, Mm. capturing the emotions of a nation and around the George Floyd issue, which has been so important. And then as a Christian, you want to say, yes, of course, we want to support black people. And uh, we don't want to see uh, people with their knee on the neck of any race or any single individual person, and so uh, we want to be we want to be able to be uh, able to issue our own thoughts and our own opinion there, but we don't want here's the interesting thing here, Greg, to to align ourselves with the looting and the violence and the distraction and the others that have died as a consequence of those destructive things. And so, as you say, as a Christian, somehow or other you've got to get above the fray without taking sides and uh, look at a God's eye view and actually form a a Christian opinion here as to what's happening. What are your thoughts around the idea of of the fact that we we have a real role to play here? Because as the church, where as uh, we've been saying in uh, earlier conversations, you know, God is color blind. He's not looking at race, uh, skin colors. Uh, there is one human race, and so from that point of view, we need to, as Christian believers, be able to look for solutions that come from above ourselves too, where God comes from.
0: Uh, I love your phrase, Neil, uh, God is colourblind, because that is so true. I mean, look, let's admit, as Christians, George Floyd's death is a tragedy, and it's a crime against the dignity of every human uh, being made in the image of God. That's the first point. Secondly is, and you make a good point again, that the rioting and the looting, it's actually worked against those that are most subject to racism. And these people are running businesses, they're running uh, family, uh, uh, run uh, sort of trades, and, and yet these, the riots and the looting have actually worked against the people that they're trying to uh, protest for. So we've got to make that issue very clear. The second thing we've got to make clear is that really this George Floyd issue has been hijacked by the political left in, in many ways. One of the interesting things that I came across, now was that the Southern Baptist Convention, I'm not sure if you're aware of that, it happens yearly, but of course this year it was uh, cancelled because of COVID. The president, J.D. Greer, made a very good statement, and he said this, that he is determined to put the gospel first in its response to several challenges, including political division, sexual abuse, and of course, racism. So... He's made the point that we as Christians need to address those. And even if you look at various other issues um, uh, in, 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 in our lives as Christians, one of the things that we're going to have to come to grips with is that we as Christians need to address this issue at our church, at our family, with our friends, because we need to take a loving approach to all People made in the image of God.
1: Let's just go to the issue that emanates from the Black Lives Matter challenges that are happening in America around the issue of the U.S. President Donald Trump uh, holding up a Bible in front of the St. John's Episcopal Church, which is across the street from the White House. Uh, there's been some divisions here, uh, Christians not all on the same page, with the idea that Donald Trump ought to hold up a Bible. Uh, what are your thoughts on on what sort of response has come from there, Greg?
0: Neil, this is so you know, I've just came. Ba- I've just come back from a conversation with one of our local church wardens, where we discussed this matter. Look, there is no denying the fact that there is division amongst Christians on what Donald Trump did in holding up the Bible. Some say it, it was theatrical, it was gesture politics, it was a situation of uh, Donald Trump making uh, uh, an issue out of out of um, a crisis by using the Bible to say, "Look, I am a Bible believing person." Uh, in God we trust is the is, is the word, the phrase used by many Americans. The issue is, and and I've done some research on this, is that there is a division among Christians. One, did Donald Trump do the right thing in holding up the Bible? The pro case would say yes. Every opportunity that the Bible is given, exposure should be welcomed. Uh, in point of fact, you know, um, uh, p- people are saying that in all things, try and make sure that uh, you, you, you proclaim the gospel. Um, the, uh, the opposing view is that it was theatrical; it was the abuse of uh, of the scriptures. And one of the things that made that was made perfectly clear to me that whilst George Bush is a conservative, uh, George Bush, um, Donald Trump, Donald Trump is a, a conservative. Some of the ministers that I've been talking to have been telling me wouldn't it have been great if Donald Trump holding up the Bible actually opened it up, read a few verses, or maybe maybe even declared his faith. That would have made him more credible. So in terms of division, yes, there is division among Christians on whether he was right in doing it or not. But some say even, even Franklin Graham, Neil, has said, what a great opportunity to be holding up the Bible. So so you have two views of thought, um, and I can understand both
1: sides now. Well, if you're asking me my personal opinion here, I would say it was a good thing to see the president, who is still the leader of the free world, uh, who would hold the Bible high and uh, make a declaration that this is the word of God, in that sense of uh, might have been a silent declaration, but holding the Bible up makes an incredibly good statement. Yep. If I'm continuing with my personal opinion, I would also say that the idea of a president or any political leader using the Bible to politicise a campaign might be somewhere that I might need to have my own concerns. And so this idea of uh, politicising uh, the Bible and uh, and making a signal to those who were the constituents that probably got him across the line last election are the ones he's trying to shore up once again. And that, of course, is going to be an important aspect for him. So there are concerns there. Uh, There are challenges. But if we're going to hold personal opinions, let's hold uh, some balance there because we recognise that there is a political statement being made. And just uh, while I'm adding to this too, and I'll get your thoughts here, Mm -hmm. Donald Trump might be accused of making a political statement holding up the Bible outside St. John's Episcopal Mm -hmm. Church, but there's also a political statement being made in setting fire to St. John's Episcopal Church, which is what the other side has done. Correct. So there are political ramifications no matter what way you look at it. What are your thoughts here for, uh, for those yeah. sorts of developments, Greg?
0: Yeah, look, I, I take Franklin Graham's point of view. When he said publicly he was encouraged, not offended, by President holding up the Bible. So I take that view. I am encouraged that the Bible is actually having exposure. Secondly, I think if we look at Ephesians 6, um, one of the things that the ministers have pointed out about Trump in um, in, in, in holding up the Bible was that, look, let's read out verse 12, and it says clearly, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, we wrestle against spiritual enemies. So I think we need to be aware that the fact that Donald Trump was holding up the Bible is a gesture to me that indicates that, yes, he is Bible-believing. He is a person uh, that is prepared to put his uh, thoughts out there. And, and not only that, I think is appealing to the nation, to the world, to say, look, if you want to solve this problem, then the answer is, what I'm holding up in my hand.
1: And as Christian believers, we're more inclined to read between the lines or make those sorts of assessments than those who are non believers who will just be thinking holding mm-hmm. the Bible up is a divisive thing. In fact, as you and I would agree, holding the Bible up and recognizing that, as we said, God is colorblind, that this mm. is not an issue of race, there's an issue of the attitudes and the sinfulness of the human heart here that are, are going to be the answers to the whole circumstance, uh, that we'd actually say that it's a good thing that, uh, that leaders hold up the Bible and make that sort of statement. Hey, just quickly, uh, you've also been talking, Greg, about the common ways that churches are reinventing services. There have been all sorts of uh, issues around lockdown. There's calls for churches to be reopened. Uh, What are your thoughts about the way that churches have been responding and adapting?
0: Well, Neil, I have to tell you, I have such a diversity of views on whether churches should open or not open. I actually wrote an article in Spectator Australia, the magazine, where I made the point, let's not rush back to open the churches, but by the same token, we need to give every opportunity for people to share in witnessing their faith. And that includes, you know, sharing uh, your faith at a at a morning tea after church or beforehand or whatever. But that said, here here is what churches are doing at the moment, Neil. Number one, they're looking at how best can we get our people back under COVID-19. The first thing they're doing is how can we rearrange the seating pattern of our local church, whether it's pews or whether it's... Uh, Uh, chairs or whatever, how can we rearrange the seating patterns secondly, some churches are adding what's called overflow rooms in other words they're having rooms where they set up TVs or whatever the case may be and allowing their congregation to attend via additional rooms apart from the church proper, thirdly what they're doing Neil is they're now having maybe two or even three services in the morning 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock and maybe even an, an 11 o'clock or 12 midday. And some, fourthly, are doing night services now. Okay, we've got a congregation of, say, a 1,000. Uh, we can do two or three services in the morning, maybe two or three at night or whatever. And finally, uh, what the churches are doing is saying, to and the smaller ones in particular in some cases, are saying to their congregation, let's alternate. In other words, we'll have... The first 25 come to church at 8 o'clock and then the next 25 at 10 o'clock or whatever the case may be. So, so they're alternating, they're adding extra services uh, and also arranging seating patterns. So there's a number of alternatives that churches can look at to get the congregation back to declaring their faith. Uh, in public.
1: Well great insights and I know that it's not an easy thing to reorganise when you have a larger church mm. and uh, staying within the regulations as most churches will want to do and uh, as I'm sure you would advise uh, but the the idea of uh, of doing it a little bit going the extra mile, creating the extra services, adding the overflow rooms, uh, changing the seating patterns. I know that a lot of church leaderships are going through that and uh, trying to make sure that they can plot and strategize for the best way that they can be effective for their community but uh, this is a time, and I'm sure you'd agree, Greg, to Hmm. go the extra mile, to work extra hard. This is not a time to be sitting back and waiting for an easy out here. Uh, You've got to work hard to actually make the uh, the the community of your church uh, function just as it as it has been.
0: Absolutely, Neil, and I think one of the ways to put this is in you know, given COVID and George Floyd, whatever you is, we must turn to the gospel of Jesus Christ, where there is neither Jew nor Gentile, black or white, slave nor free.
1: <laughs> Greg Bondar, Family Voice Australia, uh, New South Wales ACT State Director. Greg, uh, let me point people to the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au. And uh, there's a number of articles there that listeners can catch up on some of the thoughts as you've been relaying those. Uh, Greg Bondar, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you kindly, Neil.